we're diving into a new series called A Return to Wonder. And just so you know, we're going to spend this summer and actually dive into the book, maybe a little angry, um, diving into the book of Colossians. And we're going to take it in sections. And so we're going to do a series right now. We're going to take four weeks and uh, it's called A Return to Wonder. We're going to hit on uh, Colossians chapter one. We'll kick that off tonight. And then we're going to hit on uh, chapter 2, and it's really foundations. Chapter 3, how to recreate, how God wants to recreate us in His image. And chapter 4, really all about prayer. And so we're going to take the whole summer and dive into one book together. And so before we start, let me pray for us, and we'll get going. Jesus, thank you for this time. Thank you for the moments of worship, to be in your nature, to sing and talk about the heavens declare and look up and see the heavens and Thank you for providing such an amazing day for us. Father, I ask that you would speak, you would get me out of the way, and whatever you would have said, be said, that you would, your Holy Spirit would work on our souls, that you would comfort those that need comforting, you would encourage those of us that need encouraged. Some of us need to be convicted in a little swift kick in the butt. That would happen too. But God, may we meet you, the God of the universe who in the nature and where we're at, you spoke all things into existence. May we meet with you. May we experience your great love and compassion towards us. May we be changed by you. In Jesus' name, amen. I have a confession. In preparing for this series, I realized something. I don't know if it's true about you, but it's true about me, and maybe it's true about you. Uh, I didn't think this was true, but I found it to be true, is I have lost my wonder. I I don't know what age it started at and where that transitioned to, but I I lost my wonder, my sense of wonder, my, my sense of just being in awe. When I, became, when I began to see this, I, I didn't think I lost it, but then I realized I don't know where it went. I realized instead of being in wonder and being in awe, I have become over the years as I've gotten older a critic. I, I realized that I, I like to critique things, and I've become a cynic. I realized the things that should have been breathtaking, the things that should be keeping me in awe, I now use as a means for my own enjoyment. Just a quick story. Uh, Last Monday, I played our annual volleyball tournament, and by the way, I lost. Um, For those of you who care, which is me. (laughs) What I realized, and I was there on Friday too, I was at the beach, the sun, beautiful weather, the water at the harbor, boats coming in and out. I missed it all because the only thing I cared about was one thing, was it providing for my own need to play volleyball. And I totally missed out on the wonder of the moment. It reminds me of when us as a family, we were driving across the country, moving out from Texas to California. I was nine years old, and my dad decided to take about a hundred mile detour to go see the Grand Canyon, and we all got out to see the Grand Canyon. There's four of us. I'm about nine, ten years old. My brother's about 16, uh, and my little sister, she is, I don't know, two or three. And we get out, and my dad had just taken this major detour. He thought, man, this is such a great experience for our kids. I can't wait. I mean, this is one of the perks of moving across country, but we're all so mad that we're moving from Texas. Um, 
we get out and look at it and it says, big hole in the ground. <laughs> and get back in the car. And he was ticked. And I lost my wonder. Here's the scary part. As I began to examine my own heart, my own soul, and that the sense of wonder began to diminish, and I became more of a critic, more of a cynic, here's what I realized. Your wonder or capacity to wonder is directly connected to your ability or capacity to worship. Wonder is literally the fuel for your worship. And I realized then, if I've lost my wonder, I am losing my worship, my ability to worship. And that scared me. And so we're doing a series that's simply called A Return to Wonder. The reality is, whether you believe it or not, every single one of us here is hardwired DNA to be in daily awe of their creator. And so something needs to happen if you're like me where you've lost your wonder, where we have to begin to return to wonder. We will never be fully who we were designed to be until we learn to stand in awe of our creator. So I began to ask this question, why, why did I lose my wonder? Where did it go? How, how did I become a critic? How did I become the cynic? How did, you know, when the world was filled of all types of things, I looked around and I came to two conclusions. I'm sure there's a lot more, and you probably know other ones, but here's my two. Uh, the first reason I've lost my wonder is I, I diminish the extraordinary for the ordinary. I diminish the extraordinary for the ordinary. I, it's just the problem of familiarity. In, in fact, uh, in the artist community, there's this thing known as um, literally uh, uh, visual lethargy. Visual lethargy is that the more you see something, the less you actually see. And artists talk about this uh, a lot because they can see one thing, and the more they see it, they begin to not see as much. They lose the details. They become so familiar with something, you lose the wonder that you miss out. You know, that's, I think, where some of you, maybe who are in seminary, some of you, especially with God, and you be, you've made it a habit of study, and now he's boxed in into your theological understanding, and, and you, you just become so familiar. Maybe you grew up with it, and you heard the words, Jesus loved me, and you go, I sung that since I was three years of age. I know it, been there, got the badge, I'm good. And as a result, we've lost our wonder because we're so familiar, and we've diminished the extraordinary for the ordinary. Second reason is we've dismissed the extraordinary for the ordinary. If the first is the problem of familiarity, this is the problem of unfamiliarity. See, we saw something extraordinary. We just didn't know what it was. We didn't know how to say it. We didn't know how to define it. And so we just simply dismissed it as ordinary. It's like when me and my brothers saw the Grand Canyon, we just dismissed it. A.W. Tozer writes this in Knowledge of the Holy, secularism, materialism, and the intrusive presence of things have put out the light in our souls and turned us into a generation of zombies. We cover our deep ignorance with words and are ashamed to wonder. We are afraid to whisper mystery. 
when I was 14 years old, I was given a vintage Ludwig drum set, 1940s Ludwig drum set. For those of you who don't know, this is like just one of the most amazing drum sets on the face of the planet. It was a silver sparkle drum set, and it was beautiful. It actually had, in today's drums, this would be amazing. I'm, I'm talking more to you because you're the only one that cares. It actually, had, it actually had two floor toms. It had the 18, and then it also had the 20. I mean, it was just amazing. I got it at 14, and I had no idea what I had. All I knew is it looked old. And I began to practice on it, began to learn. In fact, I tore up one of the old floor toms to try to redo it because I didn't like, you know, at 14, I had sparkles. I'm like, I don't want sparkles. At 16, I took on my first drum student, which, of course, you know, at 16, I know everything there is about drumming. And so I sold to my young pupil for $100 this beautiful Ludwig 1940s vintage drum set. And I went out and bought, with $500, a Pearl Export Series. Now, for those of you who don't know drums, which is almost all of you, I know this would miss most of you, that is the lowest level of drums you can possibly buy. It is the beginner set, and every young drummer starts with that set because it's cheap and it sounds okay. A couple years later, I looked up just the snare that I had and what it cost. Just the snare that I had cost over $500. Could it be? Could it be that we don't live in wonder because we dismiss the extraordinary for ordinary? We had no idea what we were beholding. And as a result, we miss it. See, that's actually what the Church of Colossians struggled with. The Church of Colossae See, they were a church in search of wonder. They're, they're a church that didn't know what they were holding, and so they traded in what they were holding for something else. In fact, let me just give you a little bit of background on the Church of Colossae as we dive in. If you got your notes, the book of Colossians or the letter of Colossians is written by the Apostle Paul. He was actually most likely under house arrest in Rome around the year AD 60, 62. As he wrote it, he wrote it to the city of Colossae, which is this beautiful city uh, nestled in the Lycus Valley there in the province of Asia. In fact, this valley is one in which it, in the banks of the river, it, it has this chalk sediment. So travelers could actually see it from 20, 30 miles away. They would see this glistening and, and it just drew them there. But that chalk settlement actually became this place where they could do great amount of dye. And so that valley became known, world-renowned for their wool industry, their dye industry. As a result, very, very wealthy. And you see there's these three main cities there, Heropolis, Laodicea, Colossae. Colossae used to be along the trade route there. In fact, Colossae was so known, they actually had a type of dye named after a very, very wealthy city. And somewhere along the way, the trade route had shifted and it no longer went through Colossae and it went around through Laodicea and Heropolis and Miss Colossae. And this once beautiful, important city, it got diminished to a not-so-important, insignificant city. Still wealthy. And you can rightly say, 
This is the most insignificant city the Apostle Paul ever wrote to. And yet what we find in this book is one of the most significant statements about who Jesus is. The audience is the church of Colossae, made up of mainly Gentile believers. The purpose of this letter was to confront and correct false teaching that was threatening the church. It was the shift from the wonder of who Jesus was. They didn't know what they were beholding to the shift to what was known as a form of docetism or Gnosticism. And Jay actually talked a bit about it last week. This idea that spirit is all good and matter is evil and that you had these two worlds and, and it was known as a mystery religion that you had to unlock different levels and you had to have a special key or a certain phrase and had to have a certain knowledge. This was only for the elite of the elite that, that only a few of you could know and it's only for those really actually, if we're honest, just wealthy. And this special knowledge, and there was always another hoop, another ladder, and you had to get the inside knowledge to get there. And Paul's writing to confront that because it was missing out on the wonder of who Jesus was. And the major theme of this book is the absolute supremacy and sufficiency of the person and work of Jesus. That is the theme of this, and that's my hope. My hope in the few minutes that we have is for you and I that we'd be so gripped by the glory of God that we'd be absolutely wrecked with wonder. That we'd be so gripped by who Jesus is that we would understand for the first time maybe what we're actually looking at. Like that Ludwig said, we'd know what we're looking at, the value, the immense treasure we have, and we'd just be wrecked with wonder. And I got to say, that has been so true for me. This morning, I just came home and I studied every Sunday morning when I preach. I get out early and I study for three, four hours and just kind of reviewing the message and getting ready. And I got wrecked this morning. I mean, I just got wrecked. We'll just have a little confession time. That's cool. I wasn't planning on it. Well, you know, early on, we dreaming wide awake, we had Second Chronicles 16.9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the whole earth, searching for a heart who's completely his, that he might strongly support them. And we're talking about wonder. We're talking about this. I, I realize that as I pray, and even as I prayed for what God would do tonight, the reality is, is the wonder that I was captivated was my own glory, my own fame, that I want to preach a good message so that you think highly of me. It's evil, and it's sin. And God just wrecked me this morning. I mean, just wrecked me. Like in my journal, it's like five pages worth of notes of just like, oh my God. Like, but I meant it, you know. That this loss of sense of wonder caused me to wander in and of myself. So the question is, how do we return to wonder? I mean, for you and I, how do we return to wonder? Or maybe how do we experience wonder for the very first time? If you got your Bibles, if you would open them up to Colossians 1, 24. If you don't, it's in, in your notes there. I just want to read a few texts and maybe have a picture that will help, help us know what we're beholding so that we don't diminish the extraordinary for the ordinary. Paul's writing to the church. He says this, Now I rejoice in what was suffered for you, 
and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. So what he's saying, he's about to unpack one of the greatest truths of all humanity. And he says, it was suffered on your behalf. The place that, the way that it got to you was one of pain and suffering of someone else. Paul's literally in prison for this message. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. You notice, remember, we just talked about docetism, Gnosticism. He's saying, this is the fullness. There isn't more levels. This is all you need to know. Don't miss this one thing. Here it is. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. You want to talk mystery? Let me show you this great mystery, but it's not for the elite. It's for everyone. It's now disclosed to the saints, but check this out. It's disclosed to them God has chosen to make known the riches of this mystery to the Gentiles. Here it is. You ready? Christ in you. The hope of glory. He says, that's it says the riches of this mystery is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now the reality is, is we either diminish this because we're so familiar with Jesus loves me that we go, yeah, 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 I've heard that before, or we dismiss it because we don't actually understand who Christ is. The reality that Christ, the fullness of God, now dwells in you. See, here's the gospel. There's actually two parts of the gospel. The first part of the gospel is simply this. Christ died for me so that I can have eternal life. But we most often stop there. You go, okay, Christ died for me so that I can have life. Yay! Here's the second part. It is so amazing. Christ now lives in me. To be what I cannot be on my own. Christ now lives and dwells, takes up residence inside you and me to be what you and I could never be in and of ourselves. See, here's how I generally kind of think about me. Maybe it's the way you think about me. I, I really kind of picture myself, and I know, I know all the theological things, but in practical terms, this is how I think about myself. That, that I'm just covered in sin. And then there's me in there. And then there's sin in me. I don't know if you can see that. I'll get a little bit closer. Can you see that? And I just walk around and just go, I'm covered in sin. And there's just sin in me. And if I'm really kind of that Christian, I'll, I'll say this. I'm just a sinner. Saved by grace, and my identity is one who sins. I love this passage. I love this passage. Check this out. It says, For he, speaking of Jesus, 1 Colossians 1.13, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. That Jesus was on a rescue mission. He said, guess what? I'm breaking open the power of sin in your life. And literally this, not only am I breaking the power of sin in your life, I'm cracking open into you and taking sin out of you. That is the reality of the gospel. He says, I am not stopping there. Thank you very much. Here we go. 
guess what? Instead of sin in you, I am putting Christ inside of you. That is your true current reality now. It says, guess what? I've pulled sin and ripped sin out of you, and now Christ lives in you. Listen about who this Christ is. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. <laughs> we keep going. He's, he's not done yet. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supreme. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you're alienated from God and were enemies in your mind because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight. That, Jesus says, is living inside of you, the creator, the sustainer, the savior, the forgiver, redeemer. He says that is the reality, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's a really good spot for an amen. Okay, my gosh. Yeah, clapping, all those things would have been great. Yeah. When it was in my mind, that's how it worked out, by the way. But guess what? He's just not done there yet. He's just not done there. I mean, just the reality, just think about this. You are literally, right at this present moment, those of us who place our trust in Christ are full of God. I love that, what the Colossians 2, 9 in your note says, For Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He says, I'm not done there yet. He says, I'm not only full of God, but check this out. This is amazing. This is amazing. He says, Christ is not just in you, but you are in Christ. You Right now, present, Christ in you. Yeah, lots of writing. Christ is in you, covered with Christ. Check this out. Check this out. Colossians 3.1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For here's what, here's what happened. You died and your life is now hidden in Christ. That the current reality is not I'm a sinner who's, you know, kind of getting by. He says, I long to live my life through you. That Christ lives in you. And he has surrounded you. That is the gospel. Yeah. It doesn't stop there, does it? Did you know that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. But not only is, is Christ in you, and not only are you in Christ, but what it says that Christ is what? In, in God. So check this out. I mean, come on. I mean, how good is this? 
Target loves me, by the way. <laughs> you. Right here. God. Come on now. See, God. And there's Christ. And there's you. And then Christ in you. How you doing in there? How you doing in there? See, there's this wonderful new reality that, that should blow us away. Paul says the mystery from ages past is just this one simple thing, but it is so deeply profound when you unpack it. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. So the question, the question is, what do, what do I do now? I mean, isn't there a list of rules? Don't I have to do a lot of things? I mean, tomorrow is going to hit, and I'm going to be like, ooh, I clap, but, but what changes? I mean, can I take this with me and just kind of walk around so I, I remind myself? I'm like, that's my reality. And people are like, you're weird, you know? See, the wonderful new reality calls for a brand new confession. Not this, I'm just a sinner trying to make it by, but this reality of the gospel that Christ lives in you to be what you cannot be, that he longs actually to live his life through you in one simple confession that you just start daily with this. I can't. but you can through me. I, I can't. I can't do it. I, I can't be the person that I long to be. I can't be the person that you dreamed of me to be. I can't respond at work the way you want me to respond. I can't respond to my family. I can't love. I can't get rid of this anger problem. I can't get rid of this porn problem. I can't get rid of this mouthing problem. I can't. But you can through me. And you just begin to lean in to Jesus. And you make that your new confession. I got to tell you, that has been one of those things that I go back to. Because the reality is you can work hard for a little bit and see a little bit result and you just go back and you just keep hitting it over and over and over again. And, and he says, you can't live the life you long to live and become the person you long to be and the person I've made you to be unless you give it over to me and finally admit for the first time, I can't do it. Stop trying. Quit now. Say, I can't. But you can because what I acknowledge every morning every other breath is Christ in me hope of glory I can't do this but you can through me Christ in me hope of glory I can't get it through another day of this job it's grinding I'm discouraged but you can through me I can't respond the way you want me to respond but you can through me Maybe you're here, and it's not a return to wonder. 
but it's experiencing wonder for the very first time. You've never heard the reality that the God of the universe loves you. That the God of the universe gave his very best when you were at your very worst. That he died on the cross for you. That he not only wants to save you for later, he wants to give you a brand new life. He longs to dwell in you. Maybe you've never stepped into this wonderful new reality. And here's what I just offer is that if you are in that place, I plead with you. I plead with you. Would you step into a relationship with Christ tonight? That you stop playing games, you stop trying harder, and stop thinking the next thing will finally fulfill because it won't and the others didn't. So let's move on to the one thing that is the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ in you. And you say, fine, I give, I'm ready. And you say, I want to step into wonder. I want to experience the Christ in me, the hope of glory. If you're there, I just want you to pray with me. I just want you to pray a simple prayer and it's not, there's nothing mystical about it. But it's just asking Jesus to come inside your heart. And if you would do that with me, if you're here and you're, you're wrestling and you feel like the Spirit of God, you feel this like tugging, I want to, but I'm not sure about it, just be, make that step, would you? I'm just going to pray and ask that you would pray along with me this simple prayer. And just if you would, Pray with me and silent in your heart. Jesus, I love you. I don't even know you well, but I love you and ask that you would come and live inside of my heart. I believe you died on the cross for me and rose on the third day, defeating sin, death. Will you forgive me, wash me clean? From this day forward, I stop trying. I just give my life to you. Will you come and make a new life in me? In Jesus' name, amen.